And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Oh, 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 happy, happy new year. It is 2023 and the Weighing In podcast is coming at you full steam. We are ready to go. We just had the last show of the year, the Ryzen versus Bellator from Japan on New Year's Eve. It was epic. Like every big show in Japan is, you got to. If you are an MMA fan, somewhere along the way, Josh, you know you fought there If you're an MMA fan, you have got to go to a New Year's Eve show in Japan. It is unbelievable what they do. It's insane. I fought there on New Year's Eve. I've been the co-main event there on New Year's Eve. Fought at 4.30 in the morning on New Year's (laughs) Eve. Sat at the venue for 14 hours before fighting on New Year's Year's Eve. Eve. (laughs) And look, all of those things... I have no regrets. I love I love that promotion. I love the way it was handled. The walkout, the stage, the presentation before they have their first fight is absolutely insane. The rain that comes down, the lightning and thunder behind you, all the, the all the lasers, it's, everything. It's insane. It's crazy. The fifty the fifty something, the fifty plus thousand people that are in the arena packed out from top to bottom, sold out every single time they do a New Year's Eve show. People are like, Oh, why are they doing a New Year's Eve? Because in Japan, it's, it's a huge, huge, huge deal. Yeah. What, what, what everyone should understand is that during New Year's Eve, right, when it was Pride, back when they had uh, for their Fuji TV deal, they were the number two most watched show every yeah. year. The number one most watched show that was that show called spot. Wipeout. Remember yeah. that Wipeout show? It was, it was like where people try to get through the mazes. People getting and destroyed. The, yeah, just getting wrecked. <laughs> but that was the most watched on New Year's Eve. And then, you know, Pride was the, the second most watched show. You're getting anywhere between seven, six to seven million people are watching it. Insane. Oh, more than that. Just more than that. I'm, I'm more giving, than you know, that. I don't want people yeah. to come back to me going, hey, yeah, well, it's more like this. You know, but uh, I, I end a little bit low on that. But uh, I think I really believe the numbers. They're like, you know, what about the U.S. market? Look, the care. deals to have it over there right now. And look, and to, and to really reignite what is going on. Those of you guys that were at home were able to watch it. The crowd is huge. It's so big. The presentation's so big. The production is so big. It's just at another another level. Everyone kept complaining. I saw people on, on social media about, oh, the ropes got in the way. The ropes adds a different flavor. And also, too, if you're in the arena, the, the visual of watching the fight is so much better than through a cage. Than yeah. through a, it's it's it so always has visually. Been. Yeah, it's visually, way, it's a better platform. It's a better yeah, exactly. For the I fans. mean, I know the ro- the ropes getting away. And everyone's like, "Oh, I don't want to see these three ropes." There's five ropes, and, yeah, and if well, you go back, yeah, there's a hard. lot of ropes there. It's it's hard to count past that fucking three, you know. For a yeah, lot of people, past three. It's <laughs> the three. <laughs> I I thought. Um, I mean, look, we're gonna get into it, and then I'm gonna give you my take on the overall perspective of the fights, uh, John. Also, too, but it's like I just loved. I loved everything leading up to it the week of the Japanese media did an absolute fantastic job covering it. Now on top of that, and I was part of that, that on that Wednesday you're out and they take you out into these huge squares where like, um, into like a huge shopping square, like almost like, um, Times Square or Union Square in San Francisco, those type of things. And they just hew a huge media press conference. Fans are asking you questions. People are, uh, media is asking you questions. It doesn't matter, but you're out there for hours. Just talking about the fights, building up the 
building up the fight that's going to happen on New Year's Eve. Your fight, the the whole event, the everything. Whole show. Yeah. It's it's fantastic, man. And then I even one our even came out and goes, man, the U.S. media just has nothing on this. This is just another level. This is just it another is. level. And, well, and he's not lying, John. He's no, not lying. It's just different. It's it's different, and it's funny because you know times have changed, and because you know I, I'm just going to be honest. You know, in the in the beginning with the UFC, Pride, Pride came in in '97, you know, and started off, you know, eh, but quickly really got into these huge productions and then started really getting into getting some great fighters and everyone ended up once they fought there they go this is where i want to be yeah. you know it, and it was just you know that it was like the super bowl and everyone wants to be in the super bowl and man and it's it had that and then you know when the ufc bought pride it all went away you know but it's kind of back and there was you know, look at let's be honest mma in japan it didn't die, but it definitely no. took, you know, a, a long time on a, on a, in a sick bed for a while. You know, it just wasn't as big and it's building back and it really is building back and it's getting up there. And it's great to see because again, production wise, no matter what anyone wants to say, I've seen them all, Josh, you've seen them all. No one does the production quite like no. they do in Japan. It just is a it's a different level, and it's the amount of money, and it's a lot of money they put into it. Mm -hmm. But man, I'll tell you what: it, when you're there, you go, "This is fucking awesome." Well, first, we're going to talk to you about NordVPN. I mean, have you guys ever got frustrated that you can't watch an event in another country? <clears throat> Let's talk about Bellator and Ryzen. Let's talk about Bellator and Ryzen. We got blown up all over Twitter about people couldn't watch Woo! it live. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, look, I, I didn't want to say it, but now I'm going to say it. Little NordVPN would have changed all of you. I'll change your life. Yeah, it would have been perfect. Look, <laughs> look, this is 2022. If you guys can't get around these type of systems, you guys got to figure them out. But look, NordVPN can help you with that. And if you're also afraid and concerned about cybercrime or any of those things, well, NordVPN can help you with that as well and keeping people from stealing your personal and private data. Look, it can switch your virtual location. So if you are in the U.S., you can actually switch it to any other country or anything like that. No one's going to know or be able to follow and do the things in encrypting your information and making it a crime and taking your stuff. Look at NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out there. And that's huge because that's how people steal your stuff. They also have a threat protection feature that gets rid of any of that intrusive crap that websites and the malware that comes, all that bullshit. Even if you download an infected file, which you know it's easy to do, you are protected. The threat protection kicks in and it deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer, and that's huge. Look, this whole thing, NordVPN, only costs the price of a cup of coffee. Now, some of you guys are at Starbucks spending like eight, nine dollars in a piece of, on, on some coffee. So we understand some damn latte. it can get a little expensive. So look, at the price of a cup of coffee, you can protect your material, your exclusive NordVPN deal for four months for free. It's completely risk-free, John. You know completely, that. Completely, completely risk-free, and you have a thirty-day money-back guarantee. What more could you ask for? So please, please. Go check it out like I did. You're going to love NordVPN. And you would have been able to watch Ryzen versus Bellator live at whatever time it came to your 
country. <laughs> At NordVPN.com slash Wayne In. Make sure you guys use that. NordVPN.com slash Wayne In. I had a conversation a long time ago. Um with the guy who was representing me at the time was his name was Ken Amai, and he used to he was the manager for Mirko Krokop. Yep, he was. And Ken used to manage me when I fought in Pride. And so when I had went over there, he's like the New Year's Eve show is one of those shows that it doesn't matter what they do, that the amount of money they bring in from that show, it almost helps cover half their events for the rest of the year. Yeah. Because they make so much money, not just from the T V deal, but also from just the ticket sales and well, the, it's the, everything. The, the, the merch take a, sales. The, take a look all, at, you know, let's be honest. Take a look at, you know, the show just, you know, here yesterday. Jason Herzog, he's got this cartoon thing. You know, look yep. at There's a lot of money being paid by that sponsor to have their, you know, name and stuff put out on, it's on all these different shows. Yeah. They make a ton of money through sponsorships, through TV deals and everything. And and this is part of where, you know, people were complaining about, you know, oh, why did Bellator wasn't in control of the TV. <laughs> Okay, yeah. they it, it wasn't their promotion. It was Ryzen's. And hey, Ryzen's cares about their people. You know, you want to watch it at whatever time, go ahead. But this is what we're going to give out. And what they did with Bellator is say, look, we'll package this up and we'll send it to you so you can do with it as you wish. But it's not like it was that Bellator could just, oh, we're going to bring, you know, commentators and do all this stuff. It's not your show. No. So. But I, I, but there's that leaves to that helps I think to help build up what what they're doing over there, and I, I don't mind that because I really believe if this sport is going to continue to grow outside of the UFC, if you're going to continue to have other promotions build, whether it's one, whether it's us, whether it's PFL or whether it's Ryzen or any other shows that may start up, all this does is generate more hype and more. Who knows? You may see a Ryzen versus one. I, I doubt that, just to be honest, because I know the relationship between Bellator and Ryzen. It seems to be pretty strong, and it's always been kind of strong with Saki Gabara and Coker. Yep. Um, but I also do know that there is that there there has been a lot of buzz and in conversations with Scott with Coker is that he would love to do hey let's do a you know this person from PFL versus you know this person from Ryzen our guy from you know or our female from so and so to to fight some other promotion he would love to do a cross promotion in multiple organizations and see how that pans out. I've always talked, and I talked about this on the Joe Rogan show back in 20, 2020, the very beginning of 2020, I think it was January or February of 2020, is that I, I suggested the Olympics, like an Olympics, yeah. you know, where, and, 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 Joe brought up a, and Joe brought up a good point. He's like, well, the, it doesn't really help the UFC to be involved. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. No, he, he, but absolutely. He, ha he has a point. And, um, and, and Joe's pretty keen on like what it's going to take to make money, as you guys can all tell. But he understands, he understands, you know, what, why, why would it benefit the UFC? And it wouldn't. But it, what it does do is it benefits every fighter that is trying to make a name for themselves, gives them an avenue to go ahead in and make a ton of money in these other promotions because every promotion needs to have a star. Right now, it seems to be for us, Patricio and AJ McKee and, you know, Johnny Eblen now coming back, you know, coming up, not coming back, but coming up. Yeah, coming I mean, up. undefeated fighter getting a big win over Gegard and made it look easy. Um, there's, there's younger fight, you know, I mean, no matter what, Nemkov to me, yep. he still has room out there to grow because he needs to be a little more open on the mic and speak a little bit better. But that's something that just comes with time. But he's a fantastic fighter. You've got a lot of top level fighters that are in a lot of organizations. I really liked. Souza, man, he fought his ass off. Oh yeah, he looked. He got a little tired, but AJ is a very awkward fighter to fight, 
And so when I look at him, he could, he's, he should be a star over there in Japan. He's a fantastic fighter. He's got the win over, uh, Tofik Mosayev. Yep. You know, those type, those type of fighters that bring the action. I'm so glad that that was a main event. But the, what this does, John, is anytime you have, when, when, when I hear the media talk about fighter pay and complaining about fighter pay, well, talking about building this promotion up, covering this is, these this events, covering, you- this is having, how you get those more than one, pay. and this is why we cover all the different promotions. We, we can't cover everything, and I, I, it no. cracks me up when people are you going to cover this? Look, we can't cover grassroots stuff and yeah. regional promotions. We don't cover really LFA, which puts on some great fights and Fantastic you know, really fight. good shows. And there's things from KSW. Sometimes we'll talk about it, but we just can't cover everything. Yeah. But you look, and you think, the more promotions that become elevated and can pay good money to fighters. Mm-hmm only helps the fighters because that way they can decide where do I want to go where where is it going to benefit me and my family mm-hmm. it really comes down to supply and demand like I want yeah. this fighter I'm going to pay top dollar for him okay and I'll give you I'll give you guys an example Michael Chandler made really good money in Bellator yeah okay and then when he decided to go to the UFC or he decided to test the free market uh the, the agent you know the free uh free market free agency, agency. Yeah. yeah free agency he decided to test that the Bellator could have matched and brought him yeah. back. Just, just like Kayla Harrison to. with PFL. Exactly. She, Bellator she, offered her a huge contract and the PFL yep. matched it. Yep. With the UFC, it was, hey, they they offer a big contract and Bellator was right there and just decided, you know what? I think we have a, a different road to go based upon Chandler, where he's at in his career, his age, you know, the fact that he lost to Patricio and that's, you know, not, you know, gonna help as far as you know his lightweight career and stuff. So hey, let him yeah. let him go off and go to the UFC and, and you know see what he can see do. What he can That's do. great. And see yeah. what he can do. That that was. But this what that did was when you start allowing these fighters to go and do this and do that, um, it really starts opening up uh, the ability for fighters to negotiate. And well, I, I've how John, how long have I been telling fighters fight out your contract? Let's fight let's it just, out. Let's just take a look, and people, and people are going to say what they're going to say. Sarah McMahon just signed with Bellator. Now Sarah has been, you know, fighting for eh, a while now, and, and she's getting up in age, but still unbelievable athlete. If you're ever around Sarah, man, you know, a stud wrestler, silver medalist in the Olympics, but physically, I mean, she is unbelievable as far as how strong and physically fit she is. And she went out and said, "Look, I, I went and looked, and I, I kept hearing all this stuff about hey." There's other places that you can make really good money. You can get sponsorships, all these things. She goes, and I decided finally, I got, I got to test it. She goes, and you know what I found out? It was all true. And I'm so happy that I did it. And that's, it's a choice. You know, the fighters should have a choice. And if, you know, fighting, you know, for money is your most important thing. Hey, you need those areas. If fighting for an organization is the most thing, then, hey, you can go to that organization. That's great. But it's choice. This is what I, and I, I've always said this is winning solves everything. If you yeah. find out your contract, it's only you look you have to look at it like it's a rookie contract when you get first signed by any promotion. This is my work my this is my rookie contract. When I'm done with this contract though, as long as I'm winning, I want to get paid a uh, significant bump in my in my in my pay. Right. And then if it doesn't work out your way, then what you do is you go and you shop yourself to whether it's Bellator, PFL, UFC. It could be one, it could be whatever you want. Really weigh out what they're all willing to offer, and I've 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 always given this guy his clout because he's he's done it right. Eddie Alvarez, 
He yeah. has gone to every promotion and fought and become a champion or fought for the title or or been fought at the a highest star level in, each, in, each in the highest level in every yeah. promotion. Yeah. And he's made a ton of money. I mean, I can't even tell you what the money is for what he was making at one. He deserves it. Was it was insane. I'm surprised I'm surprised that he decided to part ways with him with them because he's making so much damn money. But, you know, he wanted to make one last run. He's got a little bit of uh mileage still left in the in the tank there. And he wanted to make one last run. Now where he ends up, I don't know. But that guy has done it right. He has whored himself out, but he's also made sure that he's got a nice little piggy bank off to the side for his family. And he's continued to win everywhere he goes. And he enjoys that. Now, other fighters, take note. Because if you want to continue to, if you want to go to the UFC, that's fine. Go to the UFC. But do it like kind of Anthony Johnson did. Sure, he got he got removed from the roster because he was having a hard time making weight. He went to the um, World Series of Fighting at the time. Yep. And after he went there, he had won he won a heavyweight, and then when he came beat back Andre to the UFC, he beat Andre Arlovski. He came back, though, at 205, and his next contract was way more than he would have been making had he stayed. Yeah. Had he stayed and had those fights. Or so can, them, them releasing him was a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. You, you can do it. Look, you know, a lot of people are going to they have bad comments about Sean O'Malley. Look, I think he's smart as hell. And, you know, he, coming off yeah. of, he was off of that Dana White contender contract, which sucks. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you're getting into the UFC at a very low rate. And, you know, he said, I'm not going to fight good fighters for what I'm getting paid. When you, when I get paid, and look, he was delivering, he's delivering good performances, and he built up his name to where people want to see him. And now look at where he's at. Because, hey, he believed in himself. He was winning, and he put it out there. Hey, I have the ability to draw eyes. You know that. I know yeah. that. Do you want me to go somewhere else? Let's talk. And they yeah. did. And, the, you know, he was happy with what they offered him. And God bless him. He stayed with him. Good job as far as getting what you're worth. But, John, with him, he understands that, like, he is, he, he gathers kind of that Nate Diaz niche. He yeah. has a group that love, you know, smoking weed, like to back guys like him. You know, he has, he has a yeah. very similar body style to Nate Diaz. He fights differently, but he's still fun, entertaining. He does talk trash, but he also backs it up. Look, he's I think he, whatever he's people tough. want to say, he's a tough son of a bitch. Absolutely. The I mean, dude I remember after, fight. after his uh, Peter Yawn fight, the one thing that I, the first thing I started off our conversation with was he showed me everything that I was hoping he would be. Yeah. Absolutely. He did exactly what I was hoping he would be. He fought his ass off. I, I, you can say how you thought the controversy was and in the showed, decision. Well, whatever with he, the decision. He fought. Dude, he, he took big shots in that fight. Big Absolutely. shots. And came back firing. He and didn't he turn. He didn't. Exactly. I mean, look, he, he showed he belongs. Exactly. He is a guy that belongs up in the top level. And that's in, and that's in that weight class that we have right now. We've all been saying that's that 135. That's that's, that's murderer's row. Yeah. But I, I want to wrap up this little rant we just went on about it this is a rant. in terms of. But <laughs> it really comes down to if you are a true fan, if you're media and you like to write clips about how fighters don't get paid enough, well, then you guys should be supporting these cross promotions, you guys should be supporting all the other other promotions as much as you possibly can. Because if there is nothing for these fighters to leverage them against the UFC, they're never going to pay them. Yeah. So, and, and everyone keeps going back to apparently they're getting this Ali Act is being brought back. The Ali Act is not the solution. No, 
I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. You're gonna, it's going to end up like boxing, and then you guys are going to start kicking yourselves in the ass later on when the sport's ruined. Yeah. It's going to end up with, okay, you're, you're going to have AJ McKee. You're going to have Patricio. You're going to have, you know, uh, the champion that is going to make a ton of money. The other ones, maybe whoever they fight will make a ton, but then that's it. Everybody else down below is going to be making 10, 15, 20 grand because the precedent has already been set that the UFC can still pay 10 and 10 or 12 and 12 or 15 and 15 and Bellator can still pay five and five or eight and eight or 20 and 20 or whatever it is at a lower rate for the, for the fighters that are not as high a level. But the precedent's already been set. So if I'm if I'm a if I'm a promoter that's going to promote these top fighters, and everyone down below understands that I understand that everyone below before on the in the UFC or in Bellator, in One or in Rising was only making ten and ten, then that's all I have to pay them. Yeah, but they're, they're willing to do that. And the other thing to think about is if, if the Ali Act came into MMA, it doesn't it affects the UFC, and it affects the UFC more than any other promotion in my mind because mm -hmm. of. The percentage that they make comparative to what they pay out is yeah. a big difference. So it would make a huge impact in how much they paid out uh, certain fighters. But again, it would only go to certain fighters. It would not be all of them. It's yeah. only going to be the top of the food chain guys that end up getting the big percentage mm -hmm. of the difference. Bellator is not going to affect that much based upon what they already pay. Yeah. It's PFL, same thing. You know, as far as what they already pay now, one and rising, they don't they don't give a fuck about an alley act. That's part of federal law in the United States. It means nothing to them. So. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen already too, like with the promotion that they just did on New Year's Eve, they can draw. They can, <laughs> yeah, and draw. if you start, if you if you like, if you break, like if if media was to allow or not allow if media was to cover these other organizations to help build a bigger platform for them or help put them in a bigger spotlight, then that would also draw in a lot of the UFC fighters to fight out their contracts and really test the open, the, the free, the market, the open market to see what they can make. And once you start doing that, that will cause, that will cause the fighter pay to go up because the UFC will pay more to keep the fighters they really want. That's just what they're going to have to do. But it comes down to the fighters saying, Hey, I'm going to fight out, you know, my last contract. I'm going to fight out my last fight. I'm going to see what it is. Then I'm going to go out there and test it and then come back. Okay. But the key for every fighter is to keep winning. It's to put on great performances. Keep winning. Do what AJ McKee did. You know, I mean, AJ McKee is, he's, he's a fantastic fighter. Fights, you know, he fight, he fights like he loves it. Jumping up in the air, you know, putting himself in positions, you know, to have his back taken, doing all these things. Yeah. But he, he made sure that he went out there and fought the fight. To, to be exciting. He's an entertainer. At the end of the day, he's an entertainer. He understands that. He loves to fight. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Like a lot of guys that, you know, after the loss that he had to Patricio, which a lot of people say he could have won, he should have won. That fight itself, though, he, he he didn't let it bother him at all. He's like, yeah, didn't work out for me. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and that says a lot about who he is. Like, look, it doesn't matter what happens. Look at Nate Diaz. That guy, if he loses the fight, I didn't lose. I won. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You can't. You can't tell him any other anything. That guy. No. That bitch ran for me for fucking five rounds. So that bitch. <laughs> he, he was just kicking and running. Look, what a bitch. You know, like that's him. And at the yeah. end of the day, his fans are gonna love him for who he is. That's right. So, <clears throat> I think that it comes down to just fighters being willing to fight out their contracts. Media being able to help, um, to help uh, cover the sport. You know, in a, in its in its entirety. And just allowing for there to be a, a more of a a competition 
between these organizations because that will help grow fighters pay because these promotions will pay more for the fighters for the fights that they want to see well let me ask you this because this is the question in it in my own personal opinion it didn't mean anything it doesn't matter is you know a lot of people were well you know you're you're you you're going to come out and talk about this bellator rising thing because bellator 150 i don't think that matters at all no i really i i didn't i didn't look at it like oh I don't think Ryzen lost anything in that all of their fighters fought their asses off. They look good. It was close competition throughout, you know, no one, the only steamrolling that was done was in the earlier fights that they had. They had a couple of, you know, finishes, you know, Toffet looked good. John Dotson came out, looked great against uh, yeah. Takoro and stuff. But I didn't, I didn't in any way think, oh man, poor Ryzen or anything. I thought, look at their guys showed up. It was awesome. And I, I just love the way that they all competed because for the most part, and we'll talk about the different fights, guys really put it on the line. They, they tried. They gave it everything they had. And they, you talked about like the AJ McKee and, and Satoshi Sousa fight. Man, both guys. Look at AJ took big chances in that fight that you will not see a lot of fighters attempt against Sousa based upon his skill set. And I was super impressed with how he fought that. He fought that with no fear. Yeah, because, look, you're right, John. People are going to sit here and say, well, you're going to talk about it because it is Bellator. You guys work for Bellator. But, look, I'm going to kind of go hard in the paint a little bit on our guys. Not just our guys. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just it. I I want there to be an understanding, like, in these cross promotions, and I'll I'll just say it now, in these cross promotions, John, you're going to end up with some fights where they fit, the fighter feels like there's a lot on the line. I'm representing my organization, and he, he's representing his, and they, they get a little gun shy, or they don't fight to their level. They don't fight to their potential. That is the problem when I had talked about this on Rogan's show. I had talked about doing like an Olympics, but I said, don't do champions versus champion. You want to know why? Because there's too much at stake. Yeah. You're going to end up You're going to end up with what, you, what the UFC ended up with every time they did three title fights in one night. You're going to end up with boring-ass fights that all go the distance. You know, in this situation, the fights were entertaining. The Juan Archuleta fight was absolutely fantastic. The Robotanov fight was fantastic. fantastic. Patricio, Horiguchi. I felt like yeah, Horiguchi was, was fantastic. You know, Pitbull, I felt like could have shown a lot more because I know his level. We all yep. know his level. Yep. AJ McKee fought wild and crazy like he always does. Look at the Spike Carlisle fight. He fought very similar to that fight. He had to be a little bit more careful because Suze is a lot more dangerous. Uh, he did Spike a lot is. of things in that fight. You look and you go... You know, and I, I really thought that the, you know, some of the rule sets, the changes, yeah, it was going to be the the guys from Bellator were going to have to think about it before they did it, which is going to make it a little yeah. slower, make it not quite as effective. Boy, I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's natural to time. AJ. Boy, I'll tell you, that comes from all those fights in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he says, I get to go back to who I was. Yeah, but uh, John, great. to go back to my point is. I love the cross promotion thing. I think it's going to be huge for the sport as long as these organizations can get along and put the matches together properly. I've well, always been kind of against. Go ahead. I, I saw PFL. You know, someone says, "So PFL, you're going to say," you know, and PFL said they don't want none. Right? It's like perfect, perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to hear. So step up. That's awesome. Yep. But yep. what my concern is, is that I don't, I've never, I've always been against champion versus champion because you end up with like how the UFC had the three title fights. And then yeah. they, the cards, they, sometimes there's too much on the line and you don't get the fight that you deserve. Yeah. 
if you do, like, and I always go back to the MVP versus Steven Thompson, both of them stylistically what would love would to be. just fight. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you look at those fights and you're like, and they Man. would love to compete against each other. Exactly. And so, and I, I go back to, I know there's plenty of other ones. I mean, without putting sure. champion versus champion and afraid to lose, like, oh, I'm the champion, I got to represent my organization. Put your guys that are down there, you know, I mean, like, I would say, let's go back to, like, say, let's say a Benson Henderson versus somebody in the UFC, or I would love to see Benson versus uh, D'S- uh, D'Souza. Yeah. I mean, Benson's slick on the ground. He's good at getting out of positions. You know, he's fun on the feet. Like, he, like that style of fight, he's a gritty fighter. I and mean, there's fights in there that I could mix up, a lot of them, obviously. But if I was to do these cross promotions, I would take the fun fights. Maybe you do a poll from fans. What are the top fights that you would like to see in cross promotions? And then you basically pick yeah. a couple that you know that fans would love to see. And you take the top three or four that are the most highly rated and you make that fight happen. Those are the type of things that I think if you want to start bringing, if you want to take this, if you want to take fighting to um, to like a World Cup level, the NFL, NBA, it's U.S. It's yeah. not world. It's not worldwide. People yeah, like sure there's. Is. Yeah, fighting is. And you can, and I, and I believe fighting become, it can become as big as something like the World Cup. If you structure it something along these lines where you started getting the fans involved, start really, and this is obviously I'm thinking this is going to take time, John. This isn't like next week. This isn't two years. This is, this is down the line. Yeah. But if you really, if promotions were willing to get together and say, Hey, what fights would you guys like? Let's see. And then at the top, you put a, a championship fight, you know, just one. And you have them fight championship rounds, though. I was I was a little like, okay, I wanted to see championship rounds in in the in the Bellator versus Ryzen. It would have been great to see. Long, uh, long night. It would have been long. It would have been <laughs> long. Been. Yeah, that was the other thing. That would have been long. But if you would have thought about it, right, it would have only been the top two fights. So the top yeah. two fights would have been, you would have had to maybe scrap one of the fights off the bottom if you would have done that because you had two title fights at the top. It would have been a long night. But my take on this, even when I was talking this with uh, with Rogan, is Making it like an Olympics, having the fighters, you know, having fans involved in terms of like, what are the fights that you would really love to see? And then just take, you take a poll and you take those, those top three fights and you put a title fight at the top and, you know, and you figure out when you're going to do it. Maybe you do it on a New Year's Eve in Japan. Maybe you do it, you know, somewhere in, in Dubai, you know, where you know that there's going to be tons of people there with a lot of money that are really interested in having this big event at their you know, there. I don't know where you do it, but you figure out Madison Square Garden for the U.S. Yep. You know, or Staples Center or something. I mean, like you, you find ways. Maybe shits. This might be the first event you have. You know, at uh, at the AT and T, whatever it is in in Texas. Is it Texas? Is it Mercedes or is it AT and T in Dallas, Texas? Oh, you know, AT, inside the AT&T football is, arena. That's the that's the Dallas Cowboys. <clears throat> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Maybe this is an event you can finally have at something like that. I'm just throwing the it out UFC's there. The UFC is the only one that can, that can possibly do a fight there and actually. But that. I'm saying if we were to do this in terms of a collaboration with most with most <laughs> yeah. uh, things, you know, I think it could eventually build up to be something like that. Yep. So I agree. All right. Well, hey, we've 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 ranted long enough about that. So a little. Let's, a little. Let's let's get into the actual fight. Uh, John, take it away, bud. Well, you want to start from uh, how it started? You want to go with uh, Rabatanov against Decatur, or you want to start from the top down? No, let's go top down. Let's All go right. McKee. Let's go McKee. Again, go, go on, you know, as this fight, you know, started to play out, going into it, I looked and said, like, I, I truly believed AJ is the better stand-up fighter. He's got more uh, dynamic kicks. Power-wise, I think he actually has more power. Souza's got good power in his right hand. He's pretty limited one side. He's 
doesn't his hook is not that 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 great. His jab it's okay. It's getting better all the time. But his ground game is fucking good. And and it, there were moments in this fight, Josh, when he was on his back and the way that he will bring his legs up because he doesn't just bring his legs up. He attacks with them. He grabs a hold of you like a fucking octopus and they're quick. They're strong. They're pulling you where the, you know, he wants you to be. You just look and you go, that's a dangerous motherfucker. The entire time he's on his back, you have got to be smart. You've got to understand how to, to, you know, keep yourself safe and aj was aj the posture that he did you see the other you know, legs come up boom he's got both arms inside he's doing everything that you go this is what you want to do to keep from being put into a position where you can be in trouble he did it and he stayed in that guy's you know that guy's strength and did damage and did damage that you know affected the fight you know completely in the end and and souza had his moments and you know I'm telling you right now, when he got his back the first time, I was like, okay, we're going to see what happens here yeah. because this is not good. Yeah. And AJ did a great job. He remained calm. And this is the real difference between if you put these guys, you put AJ McKee and Satoshi Souza into a gi, it's not even close. No. But in MMA, AJ McKee showed you how good he actually is at under, you know, at being a good submission guy, a guy that went after submissions against Satoshi, a guy that, you know, said, Hey, I'm not giving, I'm not giving you anything. I'm going to go after you with everything. I, th I loved that fight. I thought that fight, even though it went the distance, I would have loved to see the finish, but that was two guys going for it. Mm -hmm. They were the main event. They knew, Hey man, we, you know, we're here to deliver and they did throughout it it was interesting it was all over the place there was you know moments for each guy where each guy was doing good things aj was landing big shots at times the stomps you know stomps to the midsection the kick to the head on the ground the knees yeah. to the head just fantastic stuff and satoshi never gave in he did get tired towards the end because he was working hard and you know trying to you know come up with a way to you know attack aj I love that fight. I thought it was, you know, that was exactly what you want to have for a, you know, a champion versus champion type fight or stuff like that. Guys that don't, didn't hold back. They went for it. Yeah. With, with uh, Satoshi, with Souza, he just, he is a big, he seems like to me a big 55 pounder. Yeah. When I saw him standing up um, face to face. Because you know how big AJ is. AJ is a big guy. He's tall. Yeah. He's long. He's very explosive. He's got power. <clears throat> extremely athletic, um, yep. great footwork, great mobility. He leaves himself out of position a little bit, but here, but that's stylistically, that's, that's what he does. His athleticism makes it up. Yeah. So he's, um, overall, both of these guys fought their asses off. I loved, I loved how in the beginning, uh, Satoshi kind of just pulled guard a little bit, pulled him in. And I yep. was like, Oh, this is not going to be good while they're still dry. <laughs> and, but then, AJ did a great job of making sure fighting the hands, getting the hips, the posture up, head Doing up. everything right. And to go back to what you were saying about the attacks on the triangle, I think over years of watching and competing in myself with jiu-jitsu and just training, you know, nonstop with some of the best guys in the world, you learn that if you're going to attack your triangle, you've got to elevate your hips, really kind of attack towards the arm and the neck it's as fast be a and as hard as you can. Yeah, it has exactly. To be a bite. Right into like a scissor and then pull your heels to your butt and suck them back down to break their posture. Yeah. 
he is someone that obviously has that down. Boy, he's got that. But that but if you look at fighters these days in comparison to fighters back in the day that used to attack the triangle all the time, they don't do that. No. It's like they throw them up to throw them up almost like as a as a distraction to potentially get themselves back to their feet. Satoshi really throws it up there to try and finish the triangle, really try to pull you and suck you back down into a triangle and break your posture. Fantastic jiu-jitsu practitioner, fantastic fighter. Um, he just looked as he, as he realized AJ was physically strong. Yep. Uh, you know, and AJ had good defense. AJ played a very smart fight. AJ also knows when to strike, when not to strike. He doesn't go ahead and start striking while he's in a position that potentially will make the position worse. AJ fought a very smart fight, but a very entertaining and fun fight. Yep. You couldn't have asked for good more fight from, IQ. Your two, from your main event. You couldn't have asked for more. Yeah. Sure, you want to finish, sure. but when you're talking about guys that are at the highest level, competing at the highest level, in, in, in the Especially biggest in stage, rounds. it even the UFCs, like there's been a handful that have had this many people in the arena. To be there in front of that many people and to fight this, uh, to fight one of the best guys or the champion over there, it's a big deal. It's not just a big deal, but it's there's a lot of nerves that play along. The adrenaline dump is real. The preparation leading out to the arena, the walk down, the fireworks, all that stuff, it gets to you. You don't realize. I don't know if you guys if you guys go to a nightclub. I mean, for me now at my old age, right? When I go to a nightclub and there's loud music, I could leave the nightclub at midnight. But if I'm there for like an hour, hour and a half, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm so tired. I wake up the next day like as if I was drinking all night. And that's what that's what loud music, that's what the energy of the crowd, those are all things that can do to your body that you don't realize when you're when you're walking out, when you're getting ready to fight. That adrenaline well, dump is real. And if you recall at the, the when, you know, in Japan they do the, the showcase of the fighters and they did that at the beginning and they brought Patricio and Koike and then AJ and Satoshi into the actual ring. And if you can recall you know they're showing AJ, and he's like doing his thing, and he's you know hitting, throwing his hands a little bit, and then he goes, you can see him. He takes a big breath, like because yeah. it's adrenaline. Easily, he's like, holy shit, look at this. And then yep. hey, when you never, you know, it's so it's just different. It's different, and you're in a different world. You're in a different type of atmosphere, and yeah, your adrenaline goes, man. And so it, even before the fight, you could see, yeah, he had nerves. Well, John, there's like, let me, I'm going to add this in there too, is that when you fight in another country, there's a lot of things that go through your mind. If I get injured, how are the hospitals? How's the medical? How, like, like who takes me? Like there's a, there's English barrier, especially for Japan. When you go, there's a lot of things that go through a fighter's mind. It's not just the fight. It's like, okay. What am I eating? Like, you know, like, is this food? Is it like the food is not the same. No. You know, there's there's just a lot of a lot of things that go along. Like if I do have to go to the hospital, is my corner coming with me or do they have to go somewhere else? There's just so many things that you think about, not just the fight, not just the fighter in front of you, not just the crowd, not just the energy, the fireworks, all of those things. You're thinking about so many other things going into that fight. And and for them to go out there and fight the way that they both fought, I thought it was a fantastic fight. They did a great job, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. I would like to see Souza end up in this lightweight tournament for Bellator. I would love oh, to so see him I. there. So would because I. he's already got a win over Tofik Mosayev. Yep. Quick submission. Yep. You know, and you put him, and I'm gonna be honest, you put him against someone like and I and I got I'm a huge fan of Alexander Shabley. But on the ground, he's not great. 
Nope. He's and good he, on the feet. He's on got the good feet, takedown defense. I think yeah. he would light Souza up if he could Absolutely. keep it on the feet. If he can keep it there. Yeah. But and so th- it's that's ground, the thing. It's a different world. But if you look at Souza and you look at Sydney Outlaw, yeah, I'll take that fight all day long. It's like watching an Adam Piccolotti and Sydney Outlaw fight, just a yeah. bunch of little ferrets rolling around, getting after it. You know, and there's there's fights to be had for him in there. Yeah. And so with him and his ability to get fights to the ground, he'll do whatever it takes and his his ability to get submissions. It makes for a very interesting uh fight. It makes for a very interesting fight. So I'm yeah. interested in seeing if if he if we if we are if Bellator is able to bring him over to put him in the lightweight tournament. That'd be nice. Yep. All right, we have the actual champion versus champion fight in the featherweight because Kleber Koike Erbst is the rising featherweight champion while Patricio Pitbull has been the featherweight champion except for just a short amount of time. Every now and then he'll hand it over to somebody and then he gets it back. But take a look at this fight, and and I really, this is the one that I'm going to say I expected more. And when I say I expected more, Pitbull came out and did, you know, we always do a talk beforehand, and he did exactly what he did when he fought Adam Borch. He's sitting there and he's controlling, being able to basically dictate the fight and I'm winning. And I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing because I'm winning. And he's right. He was winning. But you could see there were moments when he would hit Koike that there was huge reactions, Josh, Mm -hmm. because he he was hurting. He was getting hit and it was hurting him. And you know, and he and I, I really, I'll give it to Kleber. I thought he fought his ass off, trying everything he could to find a way to create a problem for Patricio. He just, you know, wasn't ever ever able to really get there. He did that front kick. You know, he landed that front kick a couple of times. It's just that it didn't hit under the chin. It kind of scraped up against the face, so it didn't have a whole lot of you know, you know, damaging impact. But you know, he went to it, you know, often. And I think it's a smart move based upon Patricio and the way he controls distance. And, you know, that kick coming up can catch him. And, you know, it did a couple times. But I really thought that Patricio had the opportunities at time to step on the gas pedal a little bit more, start throwing more than just the one, one, two, and really go after him and put him and force him. I'm not going to say put him, force him into that position where the tide starts to drown him yeah. and i really i honestly this is the one i look at that you you could really notice a difference in the skill set as far as there was a level difference and taking nothing away from koike i really enjoyed the, the fight that he tried to put on and he was tough but i thought i thought patricio in that fight if he had stepped on it he could have actually possibly gotten rid of him when you, I think with Patricio, John, when somebody is as good as he is, yep. he, ne- he never he never gets the credit that he deserves. No. The power he possesses, his timing on the shots, his ability to, to manage distance, being a smaller physically fighter. strong he is. Physically strong. And, and like I said this before, I've grappled with him and rolled with him, and I just kind of figured that Koike would have had to catch him in some sort of transition because it's hard to move him. Yeah. You could see. When Koike did get him down, or when when he did when uh, he threw him, and then he came yeah. back up on top. But every he time they, Pip, yeah, every time Pitbull was in his guard, 
he was so calm. He's like, you're not physically strong enough to do anything to me. Exactly. You're not going to pull my posture down. And yep. then even when he was getting hit in the face with like the little hammer fist, he just kind of looked at him like, what are you doing? Like he just understood <laughs> yeah. like there's, there's, you don't, you're not better than me anywhere. No, and nothing he, against Koike. He, no, he, he fought a good fight. He fought the best that he could. I thought he fought the best fight that he could fight. And he was trying. Yep. He was looking for he was he was always looking for that moment that I can try to take advantage of something. Yeah. But when I look at that fight though, John, I, I look at Patricio made a, a couple of mistakes. And the mistake was you allow somebody like Koike to stay in a fight, that yeah. push kick up the middle, that tip kick to the face, tip kick how people were trying to crack. All it takes is timing. It's all it takes for you to make one mistake. You know, he threw a couple of head kicks too that, that yeah. raised the top of the glove and hit and yep. hit him in the head. The size, the height, the reach of Koike could have got to him at one time if he got too relaxed. And he did get too relaxed a couple of times. I was looking for Patricio to go out there and let the world know just how damn good he is. And he, he could have done it. He just was like, oh, it was on cruise control. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it was. And th there's a lot that comes with fighting in another country, especially fighting in Japan. The time change. The the uh, the jet lag. All of those things catch up with you. Your, your training schedule's way off. All of that stuff has an effect. I just wonder if there was something involved with that because he just looked relaxed, calm, composed, but he still didn't fight as as hard as even with the, the Adam Boric fight. He no. cruised through that fight. Uh, other fights that I've seen before, but he just cruised through them. I, I don't want to see him do that because he, he can get guys out of there. And as you get older, letting these young guys stay in the fight could potentially get you in a lot of trouble, especially later on. Yeah. So even though it was a dominant performance, a dominant win, I'm a huge fan of Patricio. I wanted to see more. I wanted to see. I wanted him to to come out and let the world know, like, hey, this is who I am. Because yeah. this is a big fight, huge fight, and yeah. it just and he didn't do it. And I, I kind of just, ah, it left me wanting. It left me wanting to see more out of him. Yeah, the exact same <clears throat> feeling. You know, again, look, he won the fight. There was no doubt he won the fight. He controlled. He did everything that he was supposed to do as far as he landed the heavier shots. But I think if he would have just stepped on that gas pedal just a little bit more, it might have been a, more, a, 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 a performance that we would have been incredibly impressed with and he would have shown, just like you're saying, yeah, these are your moments that you get to show everyone. <laughs> yeah, you all talk about that guy. Yeah, Watch this. And, yeah. and that's what you're looking for. Yep. All right, we had... Kiyoji Horaguchi against Hiromasa Ogikubo. These guys had fought twice before. I love Hiromasa. I did, you know, I worked with him when he was in the, the Ultimate Fighter house and stuff. He's a great guy. Good wrestler. I just looked in, you know, even going into the fight, I was like, there's just nowhere that he's better than uh, Horaguchi. And Horaguchi's a faster guy. He's got one-shot power where Ogikubo really doesn't have that great of a stand-up. He, he has, in the past, sat Horaguchi on his butt with shots, but there are, he, he doesn't possess that you know knockout power that Horaguchi was. And in this fight, it was just a systematic, you know, Horaguchi just took over in the fight and was able to do basically what he wanted, when he wanted. He was, he was the better wrestler. He was definitely the better stand-up guy. He landed that one knee that was huge that put a giant... Uh, Wabber on his head that he was bleeding at the end. Wabber, Wabber. tell me Wabber. what the hell a Wabber is. A Wabber is the same, same as a goat's vagina, if you ask Joe Rogan. 
So all right, well, you learn yeah, something new every there day. There you go. <laughs> wow. But uh, oh, man, you know, I I I really respect Ogi Kubo. I think he's mm-hmm. a he's a good fighter, a tough dude. You know, a, a good win for Horaguchi. It's but it's what I expected in this. It was one of those fights where I go, if there's one fight, I know the, the way it's going to end. This is the one that I thought, it, especially at 125. Yeah, let's let's remind people that at one thirty five is where he fights in Bellator because there is no one twenty five in Bellator. And they need but to make Hor- one. Yeah, and Horiguchi at one twenty five is just a different animal because he's not giving up as much weight. He walks around one forty something, one forty three, one forty four. Yeah, Horiguchi does. But he's fast, dynamic, super athletic, big power in his hands, very explosive leg kicks. You know, he's very good on the feet, good takedown defense. Boy, he he was eating up that yeah. freaking Lead leg on Ogi Kubo, man. You saw, I mean, it was right away, too. The, by the mm-hmm. second kick, I saw that giant lump coming out on his leg, and by the end of that fight, his leg was beat up. Yeah. John, when I had talked about this fight last week, what I had talked about mainly was, would we see the Horiguchi that was on that win streak before he fought Pettis? Would yeah. we see that guy? And we did. Yep. And I think a little bit of that comes with the comfort of fighting back in Japan. Because if you looked at all the fighters, he fought the best because of the relaxation. It was almost like he felt like he was back at home. He was back at home, and he just flowed. And it I was agree. so easy for him. And I think just understanding and understanding what his opponent brings to the table, because he's already fought him twice. Yep. So there was no risk in there. Like, he could have maybe taken it for granted and fought kind of a lazier fight. But no, he fought a very explosive well, he took, fight. He, he tried to get serious. after it. Yeah, he yeah. did take him serious. And he went out there and got the job done. Back on the winning track. He is, at 135, He he's good. He's very good. We he's saw what he was doing big. to Pettis. He's just not he's that just big. We saw what he was doing to Pettis. Yeah. Before, Absolutely. you know, before he got caught. Every, he was winning that fight. Look, every second. Yeah. Yep. He and lost so, one second of that fight. No, there was I a know. big, big one second. It was a big second. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he had won every second of that fight. Yep. Sergio yeah. Sergio was having so, problems in finding him. Getting him back on track and getting him back in the win column and then putting him back out there in Bellator to see who he fights next. I mean, him him against, you know, Magomed Magomedov would be a great fight. <clears throat> uh, there's other fighters out there for him to fight. You know, I, I would love to see, um, you know, possibly was it him and uh, him in uh, Barzola. That'd be yeah. a fun fight, <clears throat> the two of them. Yep. So there's fights to be made for him. I wanted to see how he would react being back at home, and he reacted exactly like I thought he would. Come out, relaxed, felt comfortable in that ring, felt comfortable out there in front of his fans, in front of his, in, you know, in Japan. He just felt like he was at home. He looked good. He looked fluid. He looked controlled. He dominated every aspect of that fight, and he's back. Yeah. I, I, at 125, he's just so good, man. So good. The, the one thing, the, the one thing I would love to, to see, though. I would love to see Bellator come up with a 125-pound weight class because that's where he belongs. Well, John, here's the thing, though, John. Like, I know he belongs at 125, but this is the this is the area where we say, hey, can we do a couple trades? Maybe you guys like Demetrius Johnson. Can we, can we trade you for him? Yeah. Can we give you a guide? And I've talked about trades for the longest time, you know, and, and I'll talk about it. I, I, there was an opportunity. There was a chance that, that Cain Velasquez was about to get traded to Bellator from the UFC. There was talk about it. That they they were there was negotiations going on, you know, back right before he fought in Ghana, about two or three months before he fought in Ghana. There was talk about potentially trading for Cain Velasquez and who I didn't know who it was going to be for, but there was talk and conversation. Now I don't know the relationship between Coker and one, but I mean I would love 
to see if we could potentially get DJ. You have DJ and Horiguchi at 125. I'd love to see that fight. I'd love to see it. Well, you know, we've already we seen it, it once. I know, but I'm I'd saying to, to get a trade. Yeah. If you can get a trade for him, and then you build an organ, then you build your 125 pound division. You're not going to tell me that the UFC is going to say they have the best 125 pounders in the world anymore. You're not going to tell me that. <laughs> That's just what I'm. You know. That's true. So if you can get that trade, it's true. So <clears throat> next, all right, we had Juan Archuleta coming out with the best performance as far as the walkout. Dude, I was like, dude, I'm tired. All the squatting and all the thing and everything. He came out with that uh, that Jaguar costume and stuff. I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I love when guys can have and show personality aside of them, something that's important to them. I thought it was great. Coming up against Sucho Kim, who, look, I, I knew. I thought that this fight would be just a barn burner based upon Kim coming forward as hard as he does. Even his his walkout was a runout. Kind of he made DC look very slow because DC used to do the run <laughs> down the aisle, and Kim uh, came down even faster than DC and stuff. So BJ Penn is probably the fastest runout there is when it yes. comes to that that thing ever. But you know, uh, Kim was was right there with him. He had a longer ramp to go, but uh, I really enjoyed this fight. I thought it was a back and forth contest. I thought the wrestling by Archuleta was the difference maker. I thought he actually had some problems with Kim on the feet. There was some times that Kim was Not actually Not some. Landing. He had a lot of problems with him on the <laughs> feet, John. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's why that, he started wrestling. That that low calf kick hurt him badly. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as he got hit with it, I watched his leg buckle as he stepped back, and I went, uh-oh. Ooh, and it was right at the end of the round and stuff. But, man, you can see the kicks of Kim were definitely affecting Juan and, and made Juan go, oh, yeah. Plan two, we're going to the ground. Yeah, and he was, you know, luckily he's that good in the wrestling that he can he could take him to the ground and he controlled it. He did a lot of smart, very good thing. You know, the, the lacing of the arm, you know, bringing the arm around, catching it, lacing it, and then you know throwing shots up. The one thing I love about Archuleta is that he will let go of a position to try to land a big shot. He doesn't sit there and go, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to let go of the position. He'll do it, and and it actually makes it for what is a very entertaining, action-filled fight. Yeah, I I was really shocked because Juan looked like the one out of all of them. I mean, outside Rabadanov, he also had some issues as well. He looked like he, he was slowing down, and not just slowing down, but the, the adrenaline dump was real. Maybe yep. carrying that big, huge outfit out there, <laughs> you know, um, like Deontay Wilder walking it, out with that it. big... He got exhausted walking to the to the to the ring. I, I think, I think a little bit of that buildup, the um, adrenaline dump, the conversation we had with him the weekend before when he was on our show, talking about how he wanted to press the action, he wanted to fight at a fast pace. <clears throat> All of those things lead up to a little bit of a disaster if you don't fight at a pace that your body can handle. Sometimes people fighters will fight harder than they should. It's not so much fighting harder than you should. Just learning, like, hey, when do I need to take a step back and get a deep breath? Yep. Okay, now go ahead and re-enter. Take a breath. Some fighters, some fighters, young fighters, normally have that problem. You know, yeah. they fight so aggressively, like Patty Pimlet, classic example. Fight so aggressive that sometimes he leaves him no gas tank left in the second and third round. With Juan, he's been known for his cardio forever, but in this fight, as the calf kick played a factor, his movement was there, but he seemed a step slower. He seemed like he was loading up a little bit more. It wasn't just flowing out, ripping the body, and then come back up top to the head. It was big movements, and yep. Kim was able to get in and out of the way of it 
and leaving one out of out of position, which you know as well as most, is that if you miss a shot, it takes a lot of energy out of you. It's almost as if because you have to catch your body weight, you have to catch all that and bring it back towards yeah. that squared off position. It's not easy. So missing shots when you're making someone miss, there you're expending a ton of energy, and there's no outcome. There's no there's no results for for what you're doing. And so you're not you're not causing any damage. And then later on, as the fight went on, he had to resort to wrestling to really slow this fight down and control the pace, because he wasn't he wasn't getting the results he wanted on the feet. I mean, he yeah. got he got clipped a couple times on the feet. The oh, calf yeah. kick played a factor, you know. And so as this fight was going on, I was like, oh, Kim's giving him a good run, not just a good run in terms of all it took is one shot to start changing the way the trajectory of this fight was going to go. Yeah. I, I looked at it. I was impressed. You know, I was impressed with Kim before because I'd watched him fight multiple times. I watched him when he won at one. I watched him when he fought at Road FC and, and he won the title there. He's a gamer. He just comes to fight. He he's got one direction. He doesn't back up. Yeah. You know, the only way to back him up is to you know drive him into the the ropes or anything or into the cage. And he is a guy that you got to be really impressed. He takes damage well, and he continues to come after you. He does not stop until they ring that bell and yeah i think that he did push the pace enough to where juan in the end was going get a little tired arms get a little heavy yep and but it was a very close fight i thought i had it for archuleta two to one uh in the end but look it could have gone the other way it could have it could have i mean i had it for Juan also and and there was no bias i had him winning Just because of the control of the dominance with the wrestling, the work he, he was able to do on top. Well, the grappling he aspect, he he, yep. he definitely won the grappling. There was a couple of submission attempts by Kim, you know, the, the guillotine mm-hmm. choke and everything. Yeah. You know, that was there, but it was never locked in where you look and you go, oh, he's in trouble. Now, there was yeah. the one, I'm trying to remember what round, and you saw Archuleta give position based upon it, and you go, oh, it was tight. Yeah. It was tight. I can't yeah, remember yeah. if it was the second or third round, but. I wouldn't mind watching them run it back, though. I mean, nope. that was a good fight. I wouldn't mind really watching good. them run it back. Yeah. Next. Ah, we had Godzi Rabatinov versus Koji Takeda, who, you know, in watching Takeda fight, you know, previously and stuff, the one thing that I kept getting out of him was, God damn, this dude is durable. He's tough. He takes big shots. He's never been finished by strikes. He got, he, uh, he did get, uh, uh, Text submitted by Spike Carlisle. He went out, mm-hmm. you know, and which just shows you, guy's got no quit in him. He he will not stop. And man, I'll tell you what, that first round, robotting off that right hand, man, he lit him up with that yeah. thing and had him in deep trouble. And from that point, Takeda just continued to come back. And I, you know, I had him winning the second round. I thought Takeda actually came out, took the second round. And it was only when Rabatinov ended up going more towards the wrestling, winning more of the grappling exchanges, getting the takedowns, landing the big strikes on the ground. That one shot he landed right near the end. That was, you could see it really hurt Takeda. So there was multiple times that he hurt Takeda in the fight where Takeda was never able to hurt him. So that's what the reason why I gave Rabatinov the fight. But I, th- I gave the second round to Takeda, and I thought he was coming on. You know, yeah. in the third round, I thought... Gadsy was looking a little tired, which is unusual to see from him. And it's, again, what you're talking about, you know, different location, different country, different atmosphere. You know, adrenaline has a big effect. Well, you got to, John, take good and bad. 
not just different location, different promotion, fighting in a ring, all of those things. But hands down for all, maybe not Horiguchi, but for the other four, biggest, biggest event they've ever fought in. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Biggest event. I mean, with the crowd, with the with the presentation, the production of it all, biggest oh, yeah. event hands down that they've fought in. So there's a lot that goes into this. With Robotanov, I've trained with him. I understand what he's good at. I just, I'm confused on how he got tired. And it had to have been an adrenaline dump because he's someone that doesn't get tired. He's somebody that just goes and goes. And don't get me wrong, he takes his step back, gets his breath, and goes back sure. after it. I just, I, I didn't see anything that Takeda did that was making him more tired. He just seemed tired. Yeah. Like he had a, after that second round, he was went back to walk back to his corner. Yeah, exactly. And you could just see, he sat looked, down went, like, oh. oh, I mean, his face looked defeated. Yep. And I mean, he nutted up in, in the third round. And he was able to do some good stuff. Yeah. But I was getting concerned after I saw him walk back to that corner. And he had his head. Like, he just didn't look himself. And I was like, man, what is going on? So I, I don't I know. Think, I don't well, know what it was. One of the things I think, you know, he realized, you know, after that first round, I think, you know, his confidence was high. After the second round, it wasn't all there. No. He did not have a good round. And Takeda had a good round. Takeda now didn't damage him. But Takeda put the fight where he wanted it to be. He landed, you know, probably the cleaner shots. Nothing that I think really hurt uh, Godzi. But, you know, after that round, Godzi's going, son of a bitch. I think I just lost that one. And yes, you no. did. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, look, my recap on the whole night is, is I don't want people to walk away from this going, oh, well, they all want the distance. I want people to walk away going, these were the best fighters, like champion versus champion, or the, the fighters that had a lot to lose. And so for, for future expectations, this is why I would like for the promotions to give more of the entertaining fights. Fighters that are maybe like ranked number six, number eight, somewhere in there. When you start putting champion versus champion, and they've been champion in the organization for a while, they start thinking, look, if I don't win this, people are not going to think I'm any good. Now, in a, if you're lower down in the rankings... It doesn't mean just stylistically it can be matchups, yeah. you know, and and so <clears throat> I'd like to see more of more of the the lower rank guys and matchups that make a lot of sense. Can you imagine if you had a Sabahu Masi versus or a Brendan Ward over there fighting somebody? The amount of the amount of excitement out of Japan, like like they they love fighters like Brendan Ward. They well, love the, that. Brendan Bren Ward fought in Ryzen. The very yeah. first Ryzen show. Yeah, yeah. Brendan Ward was given by Bellator over to Ryzen to fight there, and it was a great fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he actually got kneed in the face on the ground, and he was like, holy shit, they can do that to me here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's fighters to be had that we can take. I would love to see MVP versus any of their fighters over there, but just having, having a different style. Like, the, when you're taking the two best guys they are going to fight a little bit more conservative or maybe they're not, or they're going to fight to, to make sure that they're winning. When you get into the Brennan Wards, the Sabah the Paul, De like a Paul Daly, I know he's retired, but like you send fighters like that over there to put on shows. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. You know, yeah. when I'm talking about the Olympics, John, or I'm talking about like a cross promotion of Olympics from fighters to fighter. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, if you have a Pacheco versus a Sarah McMahon or you have a, you know, you, you have these type of fighters that you have 
that you can have off the top of my head. I'm struggling to think of the fights that I'd like to. I don't really got to write these down. Just sit down and put them together, <laughs> you know, but it just, yeah. I just know there's so many great fights out there that we can help to leverage for, for, for higher fighter pay for promotion against promotion to help bring in uh, more fans that are just okay. Look, they, they want to watch more fights. They want to yeah. be involved with it, with, uh, with building this sport to get it to like that world cup level that we could eventually one day have it, you know, um, you know, it, New Year's Eve in Japan, you have three promotions maybe involved and you say, Hey, these are the matchups we're going to have. I'm thinking long-term I'm thinking world cup type level of, cause fighting's fighting's worldwide. This is not the NFL. It's not the NBA. You know, this is not, it's not, a, it's not a one country sport. I mean, this is huge. It can be huge. It can be even bigger than way bigger than it is now. And so I have, I have that, that vision for the sport of MMA. Well, I think overall for the night, you got to look and, and again, it's just my opinion. I don't think Ryzen lost anything as far as I thought their, his, their fighters came out. They, they fought their ass off. They look great. I think for, you know, if you're looking at it, people should look at this and go, Hey, that was cool. And we need to do it again. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I think there's no doubt. We're probably going to do it again, you know, and a lot, and a lot changes in a year. I mean, Ooh, yeah. Patricio might be the 135 pound champ next year. <laughs> I mean, we'll, you never know. We'll I mean, he'll be the first guy to ever have three titles, yeah. three titles in three different weight classes. He'll be the first fighter ever, yeah. you know, in, I think he, in terms of, in, in different, in terms of, uh, the higher promotions. I mean, maybe there's someone that's done it like in the lower promotions. Yeah. Well, Juan Archuleta, he was he uh, in king of the cage. King right? of the cage was 135, 45 and 55. Wow. Wow. So. That's still tough, man. King the Cage. Yeah, tough it's fighters. tough. You know, King Cage has been tough. around for a long time. They produce a lot of top-level fighters. All right, Dave, what do you got for us? Give us some news. All right. Hey, well, uh, I want to get your uh, rating on this card. Something I want to try in 2023 is getting your rating, uh, rating on a scale of 1 to 10. Where do you rate this card um, it's on a scale of 1 to 10? Taking all things considered... Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the exciting entrances um, that you're not going to get in most cards, right? But like the fight quality, the the, the finish quality, the um, performance quality, all those things considered, what do you rate this card out of 10? Well, why don't you go ahead and give us go give us your judge, uh, Mr. Crosby. Give us your, your take on <laughs> how you how do you score this card? <laughs> you talking to John? Doug Crosby. No, he's talking to you. Uh, no, I'm, I'm talking to John, Doug Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> John, you only have about ten seconds to give us your number. Go ahead. Know, give us your well, it's going to take me a while to write this down. So, oh shit. I mean, honestly, you know, I look at it and I go, I'll give it a seven and a half. Oh. Yeah, I'm going about a seven and a half on it. Could it have given more? Absolutely. Was it? You know, uh, was there a lot that it was a lot better than you? It could have been. Absolutely. You know, you can mm -hmm. always have those where you know guys just don't come out and fight because they are worried about losing and stuff. And guys came out and fought hard. So I would say, right, you know, with that one, seven seven point five. Yeah, I do the half, I was gonna, the half point system. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I was going to okay. give it an eight. Um, I fought there, so I understand what the emotions are these fighters are going through. And so my expectation for their performance and the levels that they were had to fight at to be entertaining, a lot on the line, promotion versus promotion. First time it's really been done when it comes down to the higher level of promotions. This, that, all at stake. They fought their asses off. They delivered. I know they went the distance. You know, the, the top fights didn't have the finishes that, that we were hoping for. But at the end of the day, you're not talking about Joe Blow off the street or guys from underneath the fucking bridge. 
You're talking about the best, some of the best fighters in the world. And so, you know, there's a lot of strategy comes involved, but there's also a lot at stake and that they, that they had in the back of their mind going, I don't want to lose, especially when you got to that main event and AJ was the only one left and he's thinking, man, Ooh, I know, can't I, be the only guy. I can't be the only one that loses. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there, there's, there's a lot at stake. And so, uh, so is it with a lot of the pressure of, Hey, I have to get this win. I have to be the only one to win. Yep. And so there's a lot more pressure. That's why I had, I'd never seen him get tired the way he was tired. He was super fatigued after that second round. But he had never been past the second round. That's true. But I'm saying like I'd never seen him that laboring. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? True. So, yeah. and it's exhausting to hit submissions and try attack submissions or, you know, from the bottom or try to control the, the top position when you're, when you're tired. Um, I, I give it an eight. Uh, there could be, there could obviously make some differences. And like I said, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to keep going back to this is I want to see fighters. They don't have as much at stake. Fighters that you know are going to go out because they love, and they, all these fighters love fighting, but they're going to really just, just lay it out there. Like they, they're not worried about losing their title. They're not worried about, okay, I'm the champion. If I lose, then it makes my whole organization look bad. That, that's not what I think in these, in these type of events, you've got to have a couple of those in this main card. And then at the top, you have the guy or the but girl. Then let, or me, the female. let me ask you, let me ask you this. Do you think if you have a fight like Pitbull versus Koike, that their title should be on the line. I think, I think for this first one, no, I don't think they should have done it on the line. But I do think that the, like those are things that you're going to have to learn to, or promotions are going to have to get this figured out. Yeah. Um, you know, who pays for what? You know, who like who pays for the title? Do do they defend that title when they fight over in the other organization? Because if they are the first two promotions to start doing this, and the title goes wherever they go, ooh. You know, because now, now every time that fighter fights, he's representing both organizations. Does that other promotion pay half that fighter's purse? Now can those fighters start making more money? Like it depends. No, and now I, you start I, getting better if, TV deals. If they're deals. fighting in, in a Ryzen show, Ryzen is paying for them. If they're fighting in a Bellator show, Bellator is paying for them. Okay, okay. But then now, now how do you start? Are you able to start maybe cross promotion or cross promoting? your your tv networks and your sponsors to sure. start making a bigger brand you know like sure. this, there's so many people don't realize and i and honestly I, I can't even wrap my head around it to be honest like you know the refs how did how did you get jason herzog to wear that shirt did they <laughs> just ask him he didn't have a choice but, <laughs> but does he get paid for that at all does he get paid nope. for that at all like nope. that's the thing so those are the little things like that, John. I mean, like I know corner guys when they come in, do they have they wear stuff on their back? Like yeah. you're, but that's not that's not Pride's corner. That's my corner. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of little no, it's details. Oh, is it? Well, no, no. no like pride. if my if my corners, my corners that are, yeah, I mean, right. But no, <laughs> but those are those are um like my corners that came to work my corner. Yeah, I understand. What do you're they saying. have to wear your? Do they have to wear your your? Well, I don't, shirt, okay, so like so that. let me ask you this: Is it when it's the UFC? Is it the UFC's corner or is it your? Oh, yeah, that's true. The, no, I get the it. UFC's no. corner. I understand. I understand all that. I do. I get all that. Yeah. Um, but then, do you want to start going in that avenue if you're you guys are doing something that is outside of what the UFC is doing? You want to change it up and shake it yeah, up? You could. I, I don't. I don't know. There, there's so many little details that need to be worked out between promotions especially financially and so yeah. i like i like that it came that they did this i like that they put it together i could see this maybe only being a, a once we you know once a year type situation absolutely but if the title that's is good. on the line yes absolutely um 
I mean, I would be cool. I'd be fine with it every two years. Also, it'd, it'd be every other every other year. I'd be fine with that as well. So champions start changing, guys in the rankings, females in the rankings start going up and down. You know that type of stuff. Um, there, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot that each promotion, Coker and Saki Gabara, would have to work out. And if PFL jumped in the mix, there's a lot they'd have to work out as well. Um, you know, if one jumped in it as well, I, I don't know. There's a lot, John. There's a lot, but there's so much to be desired. There's so many so, things, so many there's possibilities. so much for you to actually gain. Yeah. There really is. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, like I said, I, I, it could be just me, but I don't think Ryzen lost anything. I think that mm. there, as long as your fighters go out there and put on good fights and good performances, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah I, I which agree. Is, which is actually similar to the old you know, the pride mindset, and it is Ryzen's mindset since, since it is Saki Kabara. He doesn't care if you win. Yeah. If you win and you suck in winning because you don't fight and you just, like, control and stuff, he's not yeah. going to have you back. But if you go out there and lose but you fought your ass off, he's going to bring you back all the time. That's well, you got to remember, important. you got to remember, like, they had Baroni over there when Baroni fought Minowa. Minowa wasn't the best fighter in the world, but nope. shit, he was he entertaining. Fought. Yep. He fought his ass off. He was entertaining. And I remember cornering. I remember being out there with Baroni and Minowa. And just that fight in itself, I was like, holy shit. The head stomps, the head kicks, all that stuff. Insane. Just insane. Like, and they, they always had Minowa back. You know, they had Baroni back several times. Well, and let's, so, you, know, you remember Sean Shirk went there. Because Sean Shirk was managed by Monty Cox and they, and Matt Hughes at the mm-hmm. same time. They were both at 170 at that time because yeah. then Shirk went down in weight. But you know, Shirk went out and fought, had fought his normal wrestling match and just didn't do, didn't you know, perform well. He won the fight. Yeah. They never had him back. No, you know, so no, nope. I agree. All right, well, uh, I mean, I give it an eight. You gave it a seven and a half. It's right I there. Can see that. All right. Okay. Next. All right. Um, well, we are not veering from this cross promotion stuff yet. <laughs> so Dana White was uh, talked to about the whole cross promotion thing. And his comments on this were that if someone is really that good, they're going to be in the UFC regardless. So I'd love to get your reaction to that. Does that does that always reign true, or is that you know? No. Okay. <laughs> but I, here, no. Let, let's just let, let me let me give it the easiest one that I can for you. Who is the person that Dana White wanted the most? Fedor Emelianenko. Hello, and never <laughs> yeah. got him. Never so got to him. sit there and say that oh you know the best are going to fi- end up here anyways. Sorry. It's already been proven that that's just not true. And there's a lot of guys out there that I can tell, you know, come up with the names on that. Look, this guy's good and he deserved to be, you know, fighting against guys in the UFC and stuff. But he decided, hey, I, I don't want to put I don't want to put up with some of the things that are there, things like that. And decided I'm not going there. I'll continue to fight and I'll continue to fight where I want to fight and I'll make my money this way and I'll make a lot of money. And they have. And so to sit there and say Oh, I don't need to cross promote. No, look, and 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 I, I, I don't, I don't put this against Dana in any way. Not at all. I, under, I understand Dana's point on this, and I'm not saying he's wrong. But to say that oh, all the good ones are going to end up here anyways, that's not true, and it's already been that's come about. So yeah. that point is not you know it's, he's not lying. He's just not looking back and saying oh yeah, well that one or this one. But the one thing that I will say is, you know, look, he did try it. He did, you know, with pride. Yeah. Back, you know, with Chuck Liddell and Enrico Rodriguez and things like that. He get, And he didn't get anything in return. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they they said, oh, we're going to send over Sakuraba. They never did. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he was like, I got burned. I'm not going to allow someone to burn me again. And so he looks at it now like, hey, we are the biggest organization. He is absolutely right. And what's it do for my organization? Mm-hmm. What does it do for me as the promoter? And he's saying that, no, it's only a benefit for the other promotions, and I'm not here to benefit them. And so his choice is to say, I'm not going to do it. I wish he would. And again, <laughs> just like what Josh is saying, I don't. you don't have to do your champions. No. Just certain fighters that I think you could put a team of five fights together <laughs> with guys that are somewhere – you know, in your top 15 that you could put on some really interesting fights based upon, and you have the right to, you know, each promotion say, Hey, we like this matchup. What do you think? And Mm -hmm. if you, you agree with it, then do it. You know, it's not going to, it is not going to take away anything from the UFC. It won't, it won't. And I I think if he believes that he has the best fighters, that eventually then he would go out there and try and show some dominance. But I think also later on, I don't think I think doing it now for him would not wouldn't make any sense. But like I said, if Ryzen and Bellator or PFL and one all decide to start to start joining and it starts to work for them and they do one of these shows a year and then they go out there and they build their fighters again. Who knows? You never know. Maybe fighters that are in one organization, they go into they go into the cross promotion and they're doing they have they have a great fight. And then that fighter fights out his contract and ends up in another organization because they're, they're willing to pay more money. That other organization may be watching that fighter a little bit more. Now, that's where we can get a little hairy, like, oh, you stole my fighter. Well, there's no stealing fighters. There's no stealing fighters. He fought out his contract and went and yeah. made more money somewhere else, or she did. I look at with, <clears throat> I look at with Dana White. There's no reason for him to do it now. We've talked about this. I also believe you said Fedor. I mean, we said Fedor. But if you look at guys like Dana White, kind of took the 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 Floyd Mayweather approach. With guys like Ben Askren, guys like Antonio McKee, AJ's dad, he didn't bring them in until they were older. Those yeah. guys were the best fighters in the world long before that. They didn't come in until they were almost 40 or they were 40. I think yeah, AJ was 41. Old. Or not AJ, but uh, Antonio. Antonio was 40 or 41 at the time. Yeah. I mean, he, I remember, like I said, I've, I've put this on record, man. I ducked that motherfucker at least three or four times. <laughs> I didn't want to fight that guy. I like I didn't want to fight him. Keen the Cage had offered me to fight him. Um, like the Ultimate Athlete, I think, offered me to fight him. I remember several times people offered me to fight him. I think the WFA had offered me to fight him. I was like, no. Yeah, no, no. I, I knew he was physically strong. I knew he was a good wrestler. I knew he was a grinder on top. I knew that he was hard to get away from. I was like, nah, man, I'm not losing my chance to get in, you know, at the time, but UFC was pretty much the only other organization. I knew. I knew that, uh, hey, this is where I'm going to go. I fought I fought in the WFA, but I fought Rob McCullough, who I knew I could take down, who I knew I could stand with a little bit. You know, I knew I could fight that game. <clears throat> I just look at fighters when he says, yeah, they're going to end up there eventually. Yeah, but are they going to end up there in their prime? That's one. Is Are you just trying to bring the fighters in that you know that are dangerous, that you're not really high on, to bring them in to get beat later on in their career? Like That doesn't mean they're all going to get there, John. That's the thing. No. There's so many good fighters. Like like uh, Yaroslav Amosov, 26-0. He's got the best record in MMA right now. Yeah. Now He's got his hands full with Logan Storley. Yes. And I can go into this big food chain. I can go into this big, like, this uh, family tree type situation and just start breaking it down. Like... I've heard, we talked to corners, we talked to managers, we talked to coaches, we talked to gyms and fi- other fighters. Logan Storley out-wrestles 
and dominates top position against Kamaru Usman. Now, I think Usman's a fantastic fighter. Now, on the feet, Usman has been proven to be the better striker than Logan Storley. Logan Storley is also getting better. He's only got 11 or 12 fights. He's got one loss no, to Yaroslav Amosov. Yeah, 14 got fights. 12. Now. 14 fights now? Okay. Yeah. So he, you know, but he's, he's still relatively young in the sport. Right. And his only loss is to Yaroslav Amosov, who's 26 and 0. They'll be which fighting again fight. in Dublin, which is a fantastic fight. And they'll be fighting again. Yep. You know, in Dublin, Ireland, and in Bellator. But if I look at those guys, like Logan Storley may never fight in the UFC. Yamasov right. may never fight in the UFC. Right. There's fighters. You know, Paul Daly would have never have fought in the UFC. You know, he would have just kept doing what he did, but he got bought out in the strike force buyout. Strike force. That's right. And so th- there was fighters that didn't care whether they ever went back to the UFC when they were fighting for strike force. Robbie Lawler being one of them, Nick Diaz being one of them. You know, there's a lot. You have to remember the amount of fighters that they re- they uh, acquired in that thing. It was huge. Ronda Rousey, uh, Amanda Nunes, uh, Misha Tate. I mean, there's there was a yeah. plethora of all Nate these Marquardt, fighters that everyone talks Wood. about. Oh, it's like those came from Strike Force, baby. Yes, you know, it's like people don't recall and they don't remember, but absolutely, T Wood. All think of the champions: Ronda Rousey, Amanda Nunez, Misha Tate, Tyron Woodley, yep. Daniel Cormier. You know, all these people. Luke Rockhold. Know. Oh, yeah. Luke Rockhold. Cain Velasquez. Cain I mean, so Velasquez came well, from Cain Velasquez is really different. I'm not, yeah, he I'm still not fought in Strike Force. He fought in Strike Force, but he didn't come over in that no, buyout. He, he no. didn't come out in the buyout. So, <laughs> you know, but there's there's a lot of other fighters that are on. Bobby Green. Bobby Green came yep. over from Strike Bobby Green. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of oh, fighters that came over. Tim Kennedy. You know? Yeah. Joel Romero. Yep. I mean, Nate, Nate Diaz had his first couple fights in Strike Force. Well, Nick Diaz Before, came back to the UFC yeah. from Strike Force. Yep. So. Yep. Same with Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler came yep. back from to the UFC from Strike Force. Yep. I, I just to say that they are all in the UFC, it's not true. Sorry, or, not and true. to say they're to say that they're one day going to get there, or they're going to be there. No, that's not true either. Yeah. And so, um, look, Dana's going to do what Dana comment. does. Dana's a promoter. Dana's going to do what Dana does. Um, but I understand where he's coming from. You and I both do. And I think a lot of people understand that. But sure. I think if, if these other organizations start to do their job and do and do and put together something like this annually or every, you know, every other year, I think it could really change the game in, in, in this, in the MMA sport. It really could change how people look at this. If you start having events, you know, like if you start doing a, What's the thing that they did that that fight week for you know UFC used to do fight week if international fight, fight week yeah international fight week if you do oh, a yeah. fight week you know where you do this big cross promotion you do a fight week that week of of sponsors of each organization has you know their fighters there up and coming fighters whatever it is you start pumping this thing out it's like a, it's like Super Bowl week or you know it's the World Cup stuff it's like every you make your fighters accessible it's huge man. It's huge. Yeah. It could, this thing could really be a big deal. It's just going to take time. It's going to happen probably in the next two, three, five, eight years. But it's something that could start building up right now and getting buzzed about if you want to start getting these fighters paid. That's it. Next. Next. Let's go. All right. Let's talk about this fight. And that's for UFC 285. Derek Brunson versus Drikis Teplesis. Mm-hmm. What are you guys thinking? It's an, I don't, it's an interesting yeah. fight, but I... I, I don't think that right now Duplessis has got a lot of uh, hype going behind him. He had a, a really nice win against uh, Darren Till and stuff. Mm-hmm. People don't give Derek Brunson enough uh, credit for the fighter that he is. Yeah, you know yeah. Uh, he his wrestling from is Strike really Force. good, way better. Yeah, <laughs> there Strike you go. Force. It's true, another one. 
But uh, you know, his wrestling is a lot better than people give him credit for. His stand up, especially since he was uh, been at now Killcliffe. Um, not training himself like he was for a while, which didn't work out well. But his stand-up has really gotten much better. This is not... Uh, Duplessis is strong. He's uh, aggressive. It all depends on how smart of a fight that Derek Brunson fights. <clears throat> I want you to think- just re- recall back to a guy <clears throat> named Edmund Shabazian. Yeah. That's about what I think of this fight. Yeah. I, I look at if if Derek Brunson can get the fight down early, which he will, I believe he will. Oh, he'll he gets get his down. fight down early, and doesn't take any big shots in the first round. It's just going to become easier and easier for him to get this fight down. <clears throat> and as he dominates one round, he'll dominate the second. But if you're Duplessis, you need to make him work in that second round because in the third round, Derek Brunson he has been does. shown to get tired. He does yep, get tired. Exactly. He uses a lot of strength <clears throat> to get the fights to the ground. He is he's good on top. He tries to stay busy so he's, he doesn't get stood sprinter. up. But he's a sprinter. He's somebody that does, as that third round hits, he's not the same fighter as he was in the in the first and second. I agree. So, <clears throat> but it's a good match. I look, I look at, I think Brunson do, should dominate this fight, though. Yeah. Yeah. Next. Yeah, you, talk, you, you talk about cross-promotion stuff and everything, and, you, and then I'm looking at Derek Brunson in here, and I, I don't know what uh, website put it out, but they put out the list of, Bellator versus, you know, UFC guys. And there was a fight that they put on the middleweights. They put Derek Brunson against Dalton Rasta. Oof. I think it would be a fucking fantastic fight. It would be not a good. I don't think it'd be a good fight for Brunson. Neither do I. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I <laughs> people, are, people are looking at it like, ah, man, man, the UFC kill. It's like people, you don't know who I'm, you're talking about. I'm a, that'd be a not, that'd be a nasty fight for Derek Brunson. Yeah, it, it but it would it would be a good one. I would enjoy it. I'm a big I'm a big fan of Ronson, man. I'd be, I'm a big fan of all the guys that came over from Strike Force. Sure, you know, and females. Um, I just I think right now at the stage of where Brunson is and where Dalton Ross is, I don't think it's you don't you don't, you don't want that heat right now. No, it's I just don't getting, think it's and it's just him. getting hotter. Yeah. So. Next. All right. All right. Last one. To wrap up on. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, post-fight interviews in the cage. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of kind of development over the years where, and Joe Rogan's obviously like the UFC's main piece there. And um, he's he's made the decision in the past that he would not interview fighters that um, had been knocked out or whatever because he didn't want to he didn't want to make them look bad. Um, but in a in a slight ton of events here, Jan Blahovich has expressed. Uh, how unhappy he is with uh, a certain approach that Joe Rogan took in his post-fight interview against Anka Live, where Joe said he did think Anka Live won the fight, but it was obviously it was a draw in that scenario, and he's unhappy that he's like he shouldn't be saying this in a post-fight interview when you're talking to me, the guy that you're saying should have lost. Um, do you guys agree with that? What do you think, John? You do these cage interviews now. Look, cage interviews aren't easy. They're not easy because you, you you have to you're trying to ask pertinent or relevant questions based upon the fight and joe has sat there now for f- five rounds and in the end he's li- he's looking at it like ankle i've won the fight so he asked the question hey he says you know hey do you, do you really think you you won the fight i understand why Jan doesn't like the question i, I understand it and it's like why, why are you picking sides it, he commentated for 25 minutes on the fight and in that commentary He's basically saying that he thought that Ankalaev won. You know, 
it's a tough for it's a tough position to be in in either one. You never you can never be perfect, and, and it's like you were talking about. Joe had come out saying that hey, I don't want to interview anybody that got knocked out. Okay, it's bad because then they'll usually do that when you're talking about a championship fight. You have a championship fight, the champion gets knocked out. They want an interview with the prior champion, you know, after they talk to the new champion. And it's like, yeah, I know you want that or, you know, you want it with the the challenger. But it, it's, it's not good because they're going to say things that don't, they don't make the fighter look good. But it's not because the fighter doesn't remember some of the fight. You know, and I, I did it with, eight, you know, uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson where he had a fight where he got hit with a shot that almost put him out of the fight, mm-hmm. you know, against uh, Jose Augusto. And, you know, we, you know, we're wearing an earpiece and sometimes, you know, our producer will say, you know, ask, you know, something, hey, you know, you know ask, him, ask him about, you know, you know, that shot, you know, and you're like, mm. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want to, but it's like, Hey man, he hit you with a big shot. How hurt were you? Right, and the first thing Anthony says, "I was never hurt," because he doesn't remember it. Yeah, you know, and it's t- and now it's uh, yeah, awkward. you were awkward, yeah, awkward <laughs> because yeah, I I know you don't remember it, and now yeah. I'm stuck. Yeah, okay, well let's take it, and they're saying, "Well, we, hey, have him look at the monitor." Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. All right, let's take a look at the monitor. <laughs> It's like, oh, let me rub it in some more. You're out of here. Let me be the asshole here that is being uh, forced into this position. And it's like, sometimes you can't win. You know, I, like I said, I understand how Jan feels. Joe Rogan is the best there is at being that guy, you know, in cage and the interviews. And, and, and for the most part, let's just be honest. How many guys fighting in the UFC love the fact they get the opportunity to be interviewed and talk to Joe Rogan. Bunch of them. I'm not so, going to lie, man. When I did his show, man, I was a little giddy. <laughs> I was like, it was, you know, you're like, hey. I mean, he, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just something about it, man. Rogan got the Rogan effect. Hey, man. You know what it is. There, there are those people out there. Yeah. Look, AJ handled it like a professional. He's like, oh, man. Oh, I didn't even know it. Like, hey. <laughs> it's like, you know. AJ's always been, you know, Anthony Johnson's always he's been. On, he's honest. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. He He's honest with himself. Man, that's news to me. I didn't, yeah. you know. Wow. Like, I don't yeah. remember that. Well, there you go. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. well, shit. You know, and as, as the the interviewer, it is awkward that you got to put him on the spot like that. But you yeah, also want, sucks. you also, you, but you want to see the real, you want to see the realism or you want to see that realness from the fighter. You know, yeah. what's that? The, the authenticity. authenticity. The authentic. Yeah, you go. Oh, there you go. There's the big word for myself. There you go. Nice, nice podcast, Dave. Thank you. Uh, you want to see them be authentic and what they're what they're gonna say and what they're gonna do and how they react. Those are all things that are very important on building fans as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, look at. I'll give you an example. Luke Rockhold. Fucking people hated him, right? <laughs> but that last interview he did with Joe Rogan, where he says, "Ah, oh, fuck, fuck uh, I'm old." old. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic! Everyone, the, everyone hold on, just hold erupted. On, hold on, I, and think about it. You're so right, and it was. A, it's a great comparison because you're absolutely right. Luke, Luke is a you know, especially when he was young, man. I really enjoyed Luke. He was a great yeah. guy. He's a great and, guy. What's that? He is a great guy. He's oh yeah, a great guy. But you know, if you 
if you watched him as he went into the UFC, there was a cockiness that was there that came out and people didn't like him. Mm-hmm. But that last interview was the real Luke Rockhold. You got exactly a guy in that position that was he was being honest and he was real. And fucking that was the greatest interview he ever did. Yeah. And that's what you're looking to get. Like you're looking to get those, to get those type- someone that's real. Yeah, someone that's real, like like Dave said, you know, the them being authentic on who they really are. And Luke presented that with that. I think with Jan, a little bit of his, his feelings are hurt. Yeah. I can't exactly. I can't help that your feelings get hurt. No. That's the thing. And and looking when you're talking with Joe, like you said, Joe's been doing this for twenty years, but he's also just did twenty five minutes of your fight. Yep. And what he saw is what he saw. You're not gonna change like he's not gonna change his mind. Like He's talking to millions of people every damn podcast. You think he's gonna change his mind based off of your feelings getting hurt? No, but I. But he doesn't I want actually, to hurt your feelings. No, he's not that trying. Is, that to. is not his intent. He's not yeah. there trying to make you look no. bad. He's just asking a question. It's like, you know, how, how, did you think that you, uh, you know, you'd won this? Yeah, I mean, you know how many, like you said, people have uh, fighters. They've all tried to win their fights because in the back of their mind, like, man, I'm gonna talk to Joe. You know what I mean? Like that in the back of their mind, that's there. That's another that thing is. that fighters Absolutely. think about, you know, not just the crowd, not just maybe going to the hospital after, not just, you know, am I going to be able to go to my after party? There's a ton of things that go through fighters' minds, you know, leading up to this. Like, is, is yep. Rogan going to interview me? And um, I think in this situation, look, him just saying, like, you know, from the way I saw it, I didn't think you won the fight. And if you don't think that he should be saying that, well, why don't you just, why don't you just give him the reasons why you thought you won? And, and and that's that's it. Like, hey, from my, I know, I, I, he said it. He says he shouldn't say things like that. Well, do you want just people to sugarcoat shit to you, like <laughs> your whole life? That's the problem, though, John. Like everyone, yeah. like if I can't speak the truth to you and you can't take it like a man, that's when we start having problems with what's right and what's not right. Look, my opinion, it's like it's an asshole, man. Opinion. Everyone has one. Yeah, everyone right. has one. Yep. Um, you know, Joe's got a little bit more clout on on when his opinion. You know, when he says it, maybe that's what really hurt his feelings. But um, John hurts John's feelings, but it just really came down to that was his opinion. We all have them. And maybe, maybe, maybe Joe went, maybe Joe even goes back home and goes, you know what? I watched the fight again. Not in, not in person. I actually maybe thought, you know, John won. You never know. It's like when you're in the arena, you see one thing because the way the crowd reacts, you hear that that goes into your, your mind, you know, uh, the way the shots hit live. They're way different than when you hear them on TV and when you see them on TV, the snap back, the sweat, all that stuff flying, the blood, you know, on your desk sometimes, John, yeah. like oh, we've yeah. been there. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's different. Sometimes when, it's a lot more than blood. Yeah. The, <laughs> the way that I judge the fight is based off of all those things that are happening inside the arena at that time. And so for Joe to say what he did or what he thought, that's, that's his opinion. And for, for Jan to be upset about it. Look, the judge's decision was already given. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, what Joe thought. It was a draw. Move on. Okay, look, you thought I lost. Okay, well, I thought I won. And you know, we'll see if we can do it again. And that's, that's really yeah, what it comes down to. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. I'll, I'll let it die. Is that everything? That's everything. That's everything. On, All right, guys. Hey, go to WayneInMerch.com. Pick up some of our merch. John's got the shirt on. And there Podcast go, Day, put your camera on so we can see this hat, buddy. Come on. Let me see that hat. 
Oh, never mind. See that old balding head. Dude, what the hell oh, is wait. it, man? I threw, I threw my hat. I threw my hat. Jesus, no one cares Jeez. about your freaking. Where's it at? You had it on when we came it's on. Like over there. I know it's Jeez. over there. It's getting really tight with the headphones. So I just get your off. butt up and go. I want to see right. it. It looks good. Stand by. Let me see it. Stand, yeah, by. stand by. Stand by. I like that. Oh, you got the one? He's got the old throwback one. Yeah. See, there I like that one. I That's like that one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. You like he, it? He, oh, yeah. I like this one a lot. Good. And then even our um, our wing and logo one is good as well. Yeah, they're nice. That one there right it is. there, right? There it is. Yeah, and then, John, let me see your shirt. My shirt's fantastic. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. That's nice. That's nice, nice shield. Stars and stripes. Looking I'm gonna good. I'm going to have to get some stuff. The wing and podcast. Some. I got to get some stuff. <laughs> Dave said that Elaine sent us a link that we can get it through. That we could buy it through. Yeah. I, that's I, I, well, true. Yeah. Can, can you find it, Dave, and just send it back to me? Because I haven't, haven't bought any yet. <laughs> I got to get it. So, yeah. uh, but I like the new designs. Um, what's it? Well, who did it? Who did the designs? On which ones? These? Yeah, that yeah. one. Mar Mark did. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Mark did the designs. It looks good. I like it a lot. And yeah. then um, we'll have to get together some new designs. Have to have Dave get to work on some new stuff. Right, Dave? Yeah, <laughs> but that's all at WayneInMerch.com. So he's like, I got better things to do. Yeah, pick up some of our merch and uh, yeah, John, take us away, bud. Hey, for everyone out there, it is the start of the new year. Whatever you have decided is your New Year's resolution. Stick with it. Don't give it up, and we will see you.